This is Ballers on Tap. I'm your host, E. Kills, sitting here with the co-host. KK, what it is, what it do, what it ain't. Whatever that means, I'd like to welcome everybody back to the first Ballers on Tap in uh, quite a while. Uh, but here we are sitting pretty, going into week 11 of the NFL um, just got a, you know, life got busy. We had to, you know, take a, take a few weeks off. So, I mean, big, big developments coming around. Let's see here. Uh, KK, you got some news on your end. What's going on with you? I do have some news. It turns out, I know I said, uh, I guess a couple, couple shows ago that we were expecting and it's going to be a girl. We found that out. And also my co-host has some news as well when it comes to that, that front. Yeah, so uh, so I am now expecting as well. Um, it'll be a June baby, so we still got quite a while. Don't know what it's gonna be yet, but uh, so we each got our first ones on the way. So this is about to be the uh, daddies on tap podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we're still gonna try to make it happen, you know. Maybe get away once a week. You'll just have some baby crying in the background. Yeah, you'll have on. yeah somebody's house. Now at each of our house there's gonna be a baby crying. So. Uh, mine should come after the NBA Finals, so I should be good to go there. But that being said, let's uh, go ahead and jump back right into it. Um, I'm gonna let KK starts off. Uh, you know, this being Ballers on Tap. Um, tell the people what we got on tap today. All right, today we got a beer from Terrapin Beer down in uh, Athens. It's the CJ10. Now, if that sounds familiar, it is a beer that they brewed specifically for Chipper Jones. It's far as an honorary beer for all the great things he's done for the Atlanta Braves and just Atlanta as a sports city in general. As far as descriptions of the beer and like how it should taste, what kind of flavors should you expect? It's pretty blank. Um, so it says it's a, it's a Kolsch style beer, beer. which is a German beer. Um, so that being said, I mean, I to me even more than the beer I don't care how the beer tastes this can is badass yeah that's see and I heard, I had heard that they made this um, CJ10 honorary beer but I've never seen it in the store until today and yeah what really just catches your eye is the can the artwork on it it has his career stats on it his runs his hits his RBIs his home runs it has the Atlanta Braves logo on it his jersey and a backdrop um, and that has a signed baseball on it inside a glove and also inside the glove they have hops so kind of yeah. so I'm thinking this is going to be pretty hoppy essentially yeah you you would think so that's what I would think <laughs> after looking at this but uh yeah it's a really cool can um really cool box like I said heck I might even buy a box yeah this is one of those keep. beers how you said like yeah you could buy go ahead buy it from the store and just like not drink it sit on your shelf yeah have it kind of a something your man caves like hey look look at this this is what i have exactly so that means that i mean it's got like some of his stats here like scribbled on the wall um i mean it's it's a really cool can the box is really cool um just kind of a cool you know homegrown homegrown beer and design so that being said let's go ahead and then uh pop it open And uh, try this out. My my first thoughts. All right, 
it looks like it's really dark in color. Um, but my my first thoughts kind of reminds me of like a Yingling. Yeah, that's what I that's what I kind of went directly at as far as what flavor it reminds me of. I think it's like a <clears throat> I don't know. It's, it's a maybe going towards that style, but it's definitely got a little more hop to it than a, like a traditional Yingling or so. Um, it's a little bit, I mean, it's definitely more on the bitter side, I would think, or like bitter, almost even a little sour. I don't know. Or am I just way off on that? You might have an expired one. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a little bitter. I mean, I definitely think it's bitter. Um, I I don't really, I don't experience that bitterness at all. I actually think it's pretty, pretty good. I mean, Um, I think it's good. Yeah. There's not, it's when I think it. When I think of Terrapin, I think of IPAs, and that's what their bigger beers are well known for. And even like having this dark colored can, you kind of think of well, I do. I think of IPA having the hops on it. Yeah, you're. I'm kind of expecting more of a hoppy flavor, but this, it doesn't really. Ha- I don't. Yeah, I don't have that bitterness that I have a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty smooth, and it, it reminds me of a Yingling. That's kind of where I I go to it. If, but to be honest, I think this tastes better than a Yingling. Yeah, this, I mean, I'm not a huge thing. Yingling fan. Like so. when I say it's a little bitter, I think I'm saying like I definitely taste more of the hops than you know a Yingling or something like that. I like it. I'm gonna keep drinking it. Yeah, I, this I would actually buy that again and a so, hundred times more. Just and of course my boy Chipper Jones. Yeah, is on so, there, so with the score, um, you know we've been scoring off a of taste, but this one I'll score taste and design well taste and design for me is a 10 yeah because like we, we already said i mean i would probably buy this again and just keep it as a collectible to have in the future um now if we're just going off taste i mean i'll give it a i'll give it an eight i yeah. guess i could drink these down yeah i'll give it eight and a half eight and a half i'll probably give it a nine actually okay it's actually really enjoyable so we'll come in at a at an eight and a half um, yeah, I mean, you could definitely just grab these and, and drink these all night. Yeah, like it's not heavy at all. It's actually re- really, really enjoyable. The alcohol content is 4.9%. So, usually the beers we try are a little bit higher. Yeah. yeah. That's also why they're more bitter. <laughs> exactly. So. so, no, this is good. Uh, good job, Terrapin. A little, you know, shout out to the hometown hero in Chipper. So, <clears throat> that being said, let's move on. AJ, I'm going to let him take it away. So, Brave season is over. Um, they went through the playoffs. So, we're on to the MLS playoffs. So, instead of letting AJ take it away about the Braves, I'm going to let him take it away about Atlanta United. Yeah. So, our Atlanta United are five stripes. They just advanced through the first round or the second round, sorry. They're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. And that is going to start November. 25th, I believe it's a Sunday after Thanksgiving. So they have a little break due to this international break. Um, but it's great to see the crowd on Sunday's game was phenomenal. I actually had tickets to the game, decided to skip out on that. It was kind of a late notice that a, a buddy has offered me to give me some tickets. But nevertheless, I wish I could have been there. I want to say they sold out again. Atlanta United did. So 70,000 fans there. I know the place was rocking. So hopefully they can keep it up. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I know Atlanta is dying for any kind of title as far as a sports team. Yeah. I know we don't we don't care at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean lacrosse. I, actually the lacrosse team 
our professor, yeah, I don't even know the yeah. name of our lacrosse team. The but Swarm. I think, yeah, the Swarm. I, I think they won a championship a couple of years ago. But anyway, we got kind of a taste of the postseason with the Braves and the run they made this year, and United's kind of kicking that kicking that into gear too. Also, another last thing about United is Tata Martino. There has been wor- word; it's been confirmed he is leaving after this year. But he did win MLS Coach of the Year. Yes, this and, year. So he's done a great um, job in from these two years. What I heard, I mean, it was very amicable. Um, he kind of let them know when he was coming in that he only wanted to do it for a few years, and apparently, this is kind of what he likes to do: is um, kind of just go places, go new places, build build up something, and then leave it as is. So apparently, I mean, they kind of knew going into negotiations that he was on his way out. Like this was already communicated. It wasn't a surprise to the front office. They still, you know, wanted to see if he would stay, but he had already made up his mind. So, um, but from, I mean, everything I've, I've heard, it was, you know, everybody's still in good spirits on both sides. I'm not wild about them announcing it, you know, right before the playoffs. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, Hey, we won the first game, so no excuses now. Let's, let's keep moving. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy, he's not just some coach that they rounded up from Peru or somewhere. I mean, this was a former Argentine national coach. So he, he's got some, I guess, stuff behind his name. He's got some yeah. credibility. So it's not a huge surprise. And like you said, he kind of made it understood, like, yeah, I'll come here, kind of get y'all started, but as soon as the best offer comes, and that's, I'm leaving. I mean, that's how the MLS, is how it is. When you have these 17, 18-year-old kids in the MLS, when they get that international offer, you're going to dip. Because internationally, that's where you want to be. It's kind of like with the NBA here. You might be a star player in Australia or Turkey or all the the European countries, but you want to come to the NBA. That's that's your goal is to get to our league. While for soccer, it's the goal to get yeah. out, of the, out of the U.S. Exactly. And that's just one thing MLS will always struggle with. That's, I know the popularity has really grown. I don't know if I, I just feel like because it's here because we have our own team now we can kind of keep in tune with it more. But that's just something that MLS will always struggle with is being able to compete with these European leagues. Yeah. I definitely think we feel it. I mean, because we are, we do have our own team now, and it's not just we have our own team. We have like one of the best teams and a record-setting team. So I mean, I definitely do think we feel it a little more, but. I mean, hey, that's the whole point of bringing a team like this to a, a large city is to get, you know, a huge fan base almost instantaneously. And I think it's worked. I mean, Atlanta United games are still a huge draw here. Oh, yeah. So, but yeah, that's, you know, kind of one thing we're always, you know, MLS is always going to fight. But, uh, heck, we get we get the uh, older players once they wash up from over there come back over here and uh give get some star power like your boy Ibrahimovic yeah he, he uh he actually he won goal of the year by the the volley kick that he had oh, in yeah. his first I remember we talked about it I, yeah I want to say it was our first podcast that, like high kick yeah they shot from about 50 yards out yeah but um staying in Atlanta we'll talk about our Braves right quick just a couple things yeah I know we got knocked out by the Dodgers in the first round um but Ronald Acuna, he won National League Rookie of the Year, so congrats. He is very deserving. He he got 27 first-place votes. So, you know, I think it, the second place got two. So, it's pretty uh, – the landslide. Yeah. And also, we had just gotten 
news that Brian Snicker won the National League Manager of the Year, which I think is very deserving. I have been critical of him on this podcast before, but I'm glad. Now, see, now we got that taste. Now it's if yeah. next year we slide back and we're like a 500 team, he's outie. Yeah, we can't slide back. I mean, again, I th- he's very deserving to win it because, like we said, going back to the first couple of weeks of this podcast was that, you know, the Braves were on fire. We weren't supposed to be as good as we were. Um, and we were able to kind of sustain it throughout the whole year. You know, we kept waiting for a while there. We kept waiting for us to fall off, kept waiting until we both fully bought in. And, uh, I mean, he kept us there. So, uh, very deserving of that win. But like you said, there cannot be any slide back next year. Uh, it, there has to be progression going forward or you almost look at this year as a waste. Yeah, exactly. So, moving on to the off season, uh, we definitely have a lot of money to spend. Hopefully, we go get Bryce Harper. I'm still praying for that. I would love to see Bryce Harper yeah, in a I never thought form. I would <laughs> say that, but I'm ready for him. He, uh, obviously, he turned down the huge deal the Nationals tried giving him. Um, and, I mean, I think that sends a clear message. He wants out. He wants to go somewhere else. So, somewhere that can win. Uh, I don't know. I'm torn. <clears throat> I mean, if he comes in, you can embrace him, open arms. Oh, heck yeah. He's a brave. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be an Atlanta Bray. I, I definitely. He goes somewhere else. He's still just Bryce Harper, punk yeah, baseball dude. There's been rumors that him and Manny Machado are trying to team up, and the Philadelphia Phillies are in the running for both of them. So that would actually be the worst yeah. case scenario. I'd rather him stay in Washington because even than this, going to Philly. Even this year, we were looking and we were like, "How are the Phillies? You yeah, know, second place, or I mean, they were first place for a little bit there. Yeah, it's like mean, how, how are the Phillies? They have great where pitching, are they coming from? And if they are able to add both of those bats, that would yeah. be. That'll be tough. But anyways, so that's pretty much our Atlanta sports roundup. I know, you know, uh, it's NBA season now, but it's really still football season. NBA season, in my opinion, don't start off till Christmas Day. At the at the earliest, yeah, at the earliest after Christmas, so Christmas yeah. Day. Christmas Day games. And uh, we'll get into this a little later, but to me, the season has started a little earlier this year because the league looks so different. I've been paying more attention to it October November than I usually do. Yeah. And that's coming from a huge NBA guy just because the league looks so different with where some of the people are. And we're going to get into that here in a minute. But uh, before we do that, let's, I mean, let's talk about what's been going on in the NFL. I mean, when we last, we talked, I mean, it, we were just a, you know, a couple weeks here into the season. <clears throat> now um, we're going into week 11. I will say, uh, Let's just readdress something before we get into where the season's at right now. All right. <laughs> One of our last shows, we talked about our Super Bowl picks right before the season. And we were talking about, I think we both went Steelers-Falcons. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Are you still on that train? For the Steelers, yeah. The Steelers could definitely still make it. But the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, I would say this. I mean, yeah, every team has injuries, but you can't account for how many injuries they've had this year. And it's just bad luck. I mean, that's all it comes down to. We were the only team in the league to enter into the season without any players on IR, meaning our rosters coming in yeah, full to week one were 100%. And within a couple of weeks, our defense felt like it got slashed in half. Yeah, I mean, you're, now, the first now three, we have offensive linemen now. I mean, it's... First three or four games of the year is like, all right, who's out now? Because it was like li- literally every game. Yeah. 
just somebody's dropping. And it's, and not, it's not the it's not oh special teams. Yeah, it's critical or, or something. It's you know our big names on defense. Like I mean, most of our young young studs that we're banking on to run this defense are out. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, while we're on it, let's just go ahead and talk about the Falcons so far. Well, yeah. Okay, so they got off to the one and four start. You know, all the injuries. Oh, poor me. Our defense is terrible. Whoop de whoop. Well, they turned it around. They they won three in a row. They're sitting at five hundred, back in the playoff hunt somewhat. Because here's the thing about the NFC: no one's running away with it, except no. of course the Saints, who man, they're yeah. going to win the Super Bowl this and year. Of course, when <laughs> we played the Saints, it was a close game. Yeah, like it didn't look like the Saints should just win. But now, this point in the season, they look like the clear favorite. Yeah, so as far as the NFC, the New Orleans Saints and the Los Angeles Rams, they're by far, they, they can go have it. But after that, it's pretty even. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons really had their chance this past week against Cleveland. They It was a very winnable game, but they went in there with, they were saying, hey, it's Cleveland. And they kind of got shown up. I mean, this is the NFL. This it can happen any given Sunday. So it's not like college where you can sleepwalk through a game and your talent, yeah, beats them. So this game, and that kind of goes back to my whole argument when we go into that NFL versus college argument. <laughs> that's exactly why it kind of bit me in the butt this time because we lost to the Browns. But that's exactly why I love this this league. So I will say I was on a road trip coming back Sunday, so I missed the game. And when I got, you know, when I finally checked in on everything, I was so glad I missed it. Because <laughs> that makes me sick that we lost to the freaking Browns. And I don't care, like, oh, they got some new running backs. They got a new coach, new quarterback. Oh, the Browns are different. I don't care. It's still the damn Browns. <laughs> and we lost to the Browns like that. And <clears throat> to be honest, the Falcons have been looking. I mean, our offense has been picking up. Yeah, they've. they've that's what I thought. I was like, oh, yeah, they're. They really putting it together. You know, once we got over the shock of all these injuries, and Dan Quinn said, I mean, hey, next guy up, everybody's in this league for a reason. That's why they have a job. They got to go out there and play. I mean, he wasn't making any excuses. And, yeah, we had to rebound a little bit. But then we went on a, a nice little stretch there where it's like, okay, yes, we're banged up. No, we're not going to really hold any teams down defensively. But our offense started clicking. We looked like, okay, maybe we can uh, you know, just outscore Whoever we play, um, I mean, you got to look our starting running backs out as well. Mm-hmm. But my man Tevin Coleman is still looking awesome. So, you know, Falcons were rocking and rolling there for a little bit the second half of the season. And, man, this just – it sounds really bad, but this one loss makes me kind of look at the whole season different. Because I thought, like I said, we were down, we were coming back up, and it looked like we had a, a few-week stretch there where it's like, okay, we're – we could still be in it. Let's still, you know, go get this wild card. Because like we said, Saints are going to win the division. Yeah. Let's go get this wild card. But, man, after losing to the Browns this last week, I don't know. I'm not saying hop off the bandwagon. I'm just saying now it looks like, man, it's it's going to be tough. It is, it's going to be real tough because you, now you don't have any room for error. Exactly. I, you could probably lose one more game, and I think that will be two New Orleans in New Orleans on Thanksgiving. But other than that, here's the good part of it. You're sitting at four and five. As far as possible wild cards, Seattle Seahawks four and five. Carolina Panthers six and three. The Vikings five and three. Packers four and four. Cowboys four and five. Eagles four and five. 
So everybody's chasing the Carolina they, Panthers. The Eagles, Eagles are a surprise. Yeah, they are. It, it's kind of funny. Eagles and the Falcons have the same exact record. Yeah. After that first game of the season, we lost to them. I thought, oh, we look the exact same as last year, and they still look awesome. Yeah, I mean, you you can make an argument that going into that game is like, oh, yeah, they're going to play each other again in the playoffs, NFC, NFC uh, championship and whatnot. Yeah. But they've kind of gone down the same road, both of them. Now there's a debate in Philadelphia. It's like, hey, should we put um, take Carson – yeah, Nick Foles in. Golly, I forgot forgot his name. I haven't seen him so in so long. Yeah, because he won that ring and he's just been chilling. Yeah, he, yeah, he's like, all right, all right, Carson Wentz, you got it. But yeah, for the Falcons, you just don't have any room for to slip up anymore. Yeah. I think if you look at their schedule, I keep waiting for the Panthers to slip. I don't think the Panthers well, see, are as good as they look. They're six and three, but they're not a strong six and three. I mean, you look what happened against Pittsburgh last week. Yeah, the Steelers whipped up on them. So, yeah, you're looking up at Carolina, but it, it's doable. Yeah. Because you still got Carolina again. You got to play them. But this week, Falcons got Cowboys. Both teams four and five. I think that's very I, winnable. I Falcons. Yeah, I think it's winnable too. And I think it's kind of an elimination game. Yeah. I think you have to win this game. I and think that, the Cowboys are desperate too. Yeah. Especially they just got embarrassed on national TV. So, I think that for the Falcons, the only game you can lose would be to New Orleans. Yeah, second game to New Orleans. Yeah, so you have seven games left. You need to go six and one. That's tough. Yeah, it's, it's said, tough, it's but be tough. you've dug yourself into the hole. The offense, I don't know what happened this past Sunday because I was like, yeah, this offense, it's back. It's kicking like Shanahan's yeah. back, in the, back in the seat. But Man, I, just, I do got to give a shout-out on our offense, man. Our rookie, Calvin Ridley, he's been showing he, out. He and, big and, I mean, his homecoming game, I mean, that – that first game against the Saints, all of a sudden he had three touchdowns. It's like, oh, this is this is why we drafted him. And uh, I mean, he looks solid. I don't think, I mean, I don't think it's a fluke. I think Ridley is the real deal. You know, it helps having Muhammad Sanu out there. He's been banged up, but he's still out there playing. And then Julio does his thing. Calvin Ridley wouldn't be scoring the touchdowns he's scoring without Julio being out there drawing a lot of the defense. I mean, Julio just scored his first touchdown. Uh, not against the Browns, but, you know, the week before. So, I mean, Julio is still a force to be reckoned with. It's just on paper his numbers don't look as great. That's The minute defenses lag off of him, he'll go off on you. So, defensive play play him so tight, I mean, that's why Calvin Ridley's playing the way he's playing. Um, Coleman's looking great. I mean, I think, you know, I still think Matt Ryan looks fine. I mean, people like to – I mean, yeah, he's playing good. People, you know, there's always – People were just dogging him for whatever reason, uh, but I think he's he's just fine this year. That that's not the reason of concern. Like I said, I mean our defense at the end of the day, it's hard for us to stop anybody. Yeah, um, and that's not anybody's fault. It's just the injury bug got around. So, other than the Falcons, let's move on to your team and the other Super Bowl pick. Let's talk about these Steelers. Yeah, so they started off slow. I mean, they're one, two, and one in the first four games, but since then they've won five in a row. Big Ben had a great game against Carolina. Hell, the whole team did. They looked really good. And that was on national TV, so people were able to watch that. But as far as right now, they're leading the division by two games over Cincinnati. As far as the AFC playoff picture, the AFC is a lot more defined, I guess. 
Um, your division leaders currently are the Patriots, of Steelers, course. Texans, and the Chiefs, which I, I would say the Chiefs are one of my biggest surprises in the AFC because they've um, yeah, been able not, to, not to just, keep up what they're doing. Not just the Chiefs as a team, but their quarterback. Man. Yeah, Mahomes. He's Patrick, Patrick Mahomes looks like he's been doing this for years. But the Patriots, they're seven and three. They got a about a three game lead, and that's that division's pretty much sold up. Pittsburgh's got a couple game lead, like I said. I think that one's sold up. I think Pittsburgh will win this one. The AFC South would be the only division where Houston Texans are sitting at six and three, which they've now won six in a row after starting zero and three. Tennessee Titans five and four. The Colts four and five, and the bit another big surprise. A lot of people's. Super Bowl pick this year, some they went to the AFC Championship game last year. Jacksonville Jaguars are three and six. That's what happens when you don't make a when you don't get a quarterback and you stick with Blake Bortles. Exactly. AFC West, Kansas City Chiefs, they're nine and one. I think they are going to win that one. But the Los Angeles Chargers, seven and two, quietly out there in Los Angeles. Yeah, the man. other team in Los Angeles. Yeah. Slowly but surely, they're putting wins together. Philip Rivers just have has them playing good. Philip Rivers, I mean, Philip Rivers is always one of those coaches will tell you how good he is. You know, when you're watching some of these other shows, the the talk show pundits or the the guests that are really really dug into the NFL, you know, guys who've been the been around the league for 20 years plus, they'll tell you how good Philip Rivers is. But other than that, you you never hear people talk about Philip Rivers. Yeah, that's true. But like I said, it's it's one of those the people who are really close to the league, they know how good he is, and outside of that, he doesn't get much love. Hell, I've I've never scared of Philip Rivers, but obviously, I mean he's having a good year. I do want to ask you one question. I know it's uh your favorite coach of all time. What is John Gruden doing <laughs> out in Oakland? Man? They're sitting at one and eight now. Man, so I will say, I thought Gruden was going to do better than this. <clears throat> I know he'd been away from the game for a long time. Um, a lot of people were kind of worried about that. I think, man, I think the game has sped up on him. Maybe he wasn't used to that. He could talk about it. But, you know, his old schemes that he's used to running, maybe can't handle these these fast offenses and as bad as it is, I just think there's a huge disconnect between how he's trying to coach and his relationship to make a connection with his players. I mean, first mistake, they got rid of Khalil Mack. So he's off on the bears. I don't know if you saw it, but there's a video out there of him swim, moving one offensive lineman, or maybe it was a tight end. He pulls a swim move on one tight end Goes and meets the guard or tackle, you know, as a pass play, straight pancakes him, like just knocks him back onto his butt and sacks the quarterback. And that's like an MVP type of level defensive guy when he can just demolish two NFL offensive linemen and get your quarterback. I mean, Khalil Mack has single handedly made the Chicago Bears the best defense yeah, in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. He has. So you got that going. That was their first mistake. Now there's reports of uh, Derek Carr isn't really connecting with the team, isn't connecting, I don't know, with the coach. I think it's dysfunctional. Like that's, I think more than football, I think he wasn't ever able to really get that team to buy into him. 
And who knows, maybe it's from him coming in and trying to do it old school way. Players have changed. They want, you know, they want a little more rights. They want, you know, a little softer practice. And maybe he's just trying to run it too much like a drill sergeant. And he kind of, you know, I'm I'm the first one to, you know, kind of back up a coach trying to be old school. But obviously, you're at this point, you're one and nine. You got to get with the, you got to maybe change your ways. You got to start looking in the mirror. So, I mean, I think that's, that's what happened. I think there's just no connection there between him and the players. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's just he's kind of he's just old school and he's kind of coming in and trying to change things and he kind of wants his guys in. That's why they've yeah traded away Amari Cooper and let Bruce Irvin go. Just kind of supposedly he told Derek Carr he is safe, but if yeah Derek Carr might not want to be there, I, it sounds like he doesn't. Yeah, so I I think he's he's just coming in trying to get. Someone you could say his guys in. Yeah, I think it sounds like he came in. Change the philosophy. He came in. He's like, this is my team. I'm going to switch everything up. And who knows, man? They're they're going to Las Vegas here pretty soon. Yeah. So maybe he doesn't even give a crap about the Oakland Raiders. Maybe he is trying to build it up. Yeah, he could So that by the time they get to Vegas, it's the John Gruden Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know. But, yeah, this is embarrassing. It's not a good look for him. Maybe, like I said, he's got some long-term plans. But, yeah, this is not a good look. First year back in the league, which, I mean, a lot of people said even that first ring he won, if he had never won that, people wouldn't regard him as as great as he is. But, hell, he was an entertaining (laughs) announcer. I'll give him that. (laughs) Um, And this is kind of just a random, like, bounce off of that while we're talking about this. We're talking about how he's old school. You know, he's not really adapting to the players, to the league. You know who is – makes me kind of have even more respect for old school guy, but almost like how coach K in college basketball kind of adopted the one and done. And he adapts. It makes me think of Andy Reed. Andy mm-hmm. Reed's been around forever. He's an old school guy, Yeah, but he, I mean, he has adapted. Like he adapts his philosophies to the way the league is going. And I mean, his schemes and it works. So I don't know. That was just a random thought. Like I was like, man, you look at Gruden, he, maybe he needs to take some notes from Andy Reid, who, you know, he's he's changed a little bit. Um, and then I guess nobody can really say anything to Bill Belichick. He's still running it how he wants to, yeah. but it works. So <laughs> He's the exception. Whatever. <laughs> so that being said, uh, back to your Steelers. The only thing, and I'm surprised, I mean, it really hasn't affected the Steelers at all. But all this drama, you already know where I'm going. The Le'Veon Bell situation yeah. going on. I thought for sure by week four, he was going to be back in there. Well, as of four o'clock today, he's officially done. Yeah. So he can't play at all this year. He can't come back. But Pittsburgh had to miss the beat with James Conner stepping in. He's done an excellent job. I'm telling you, anybody in fantasy who got James Conner, y'all struck gold. And that's me. I made a trade for it on the first week yeah. of the season. But – um. Anyway, I think the job Mike Tomlin has done is just keeping that locker room together as far as, you know, when it when the season first began, there was people bashing it was Le'Veon ugly. Bell. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was ugly. People people turned on each other. But his ability to just keep them together and kind of just have them play their game. I mean, they started the season off slow. I mean, it kind of, it kind of affected them, I think. It affected them more than they thought. But they're able to – they've reeled off five wins in a row. And they're definitely probably right now. They probably, I would say they're the second best team in the AFC right now behind Other the Chiefs. Than 
What about Patriots? Yeah, I, th- I you think, think they're better than Patriots. Yeah, they're better than Patriots. After what the Patriots did, they stunk it up this past Sunday. But that's why I, I traded. Think, I traded Gronk off my fantasy. Did you really? Yeah, man. <laughs> he, did, he does. He stays hurt first off. Yeah, like yeah. I thought he was going to come out. You know, early in the season, they didn't. They had a lot of people out. I was like, oh, Gronk's going to be touching the ball every every three or four possessions. Man, get out of here. So, yeah, I mean. The James Conner thing, I think with how he's played, I think Le'Veon thought, okay, I'm going to sit out. I'm going to get a big deal. And let's be honest, he's still going to get a big deal. Some team wants him. He is. He's still an amazing running back. I'm not I'm not dissing Le'Veon. He's an amazing running back. He's got his own style, you know, the way he waits um, for that hole to open. He Probably more patient than anybody else in the league. Um, kind of does like the side to side, but he hits that hole hard. No disrespect to Le'Veon Bell, but – the way James Conner has played and the numbers he's put up, that's what it is. When you put the numbers side by side, all of a sudden it almost kind of devalues Le'Veon because it shows, okay, here's another guy we put right into the same system and he's putting up the same numbers. Now, like I said, I still think Le'Veon's going to get that big deal, but do you think this kind of changes the narrative of how great Le'Veon Bell is? Yeah, and I was going to say this. I think it hurts the way James Conner is playing and the numbers he's putting up, it hurts Le'Veon Bell. Because it shows these, yeah, like you said, he's still going to get paid. He's going to get that record-breaking money. Like, he's still going to get it. But it shows these execs and GMs that, man, if if we just have that good offensive line, good receivers around the run, you can almost, good quarterback, first off, good quarterback, you can pretty much plug and play any running back in there. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm pretty sure you could put any running back in that Steelers offense right now, and they'll do pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Just just have a patient runner, one that definitely can catch out of the backfield, and they just kind of, it, they really haven't missed a beat. If if anything, James Conner's numbers are better than Le'Veon Bell's mm-hmm. were last year. It is at at this point in the season. So is it? It hurts Le'Veon Bell because it show yeah it shows him like was I really that valuable? Yeah. Now for sure he's hell of a talent. I think he is. I think we'll tell next year he's going to get a big deal. He's going to be on another team. Granted, you can't do anything behind a battle line. And you can do everything behind a good O-line. Yeah. I'd love to see him go to kind of a mediocre, and I, I just want to see how he does. Well, the Vegas Sportsbook came out with the odds today, and the best odds to land him are the New York Jets. So, good luck. Yeah. yeah I would like I would like to see him that patient running style run behind a line who can't block. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, is it just me or is it Antonio Brown? Has he been kind of quiet this year? Or have I just not been hearing much about him? He's not – I have him on a fantasy team, so I know he, he's not putting up these cra- crazy numbers like he usually does. But he's having a solid year. But you look at Juju Smith-Schuster on the other side, he's a great number two receiver that Ben has. Yeah. And Ben throws it to James Conner a lot out of the backfield. He throws it to his tight ends a lot. Vance McDonald and the other guy <laughs> that I can't think of. So, uh, Jesse James. <clears throat> so – he big man has a lot of weapons, and but you also got to think it's like the Julio effect. Exactly, like they're going to try to shut down your best receiver. And so it, open, it opens up for everybody. Yeah, so. it, every week, every week it's like that. And that's so. yeah, that's why I defend Julio till the death. When people say his touchdowns need to be up, blah blah blah. Well, hey, if his if he's getting more touchdowns, that's great. But I mean, he's out there. He's you know he's attracting double teams almost every time. So. That's the Steelers. Uh, it's about the league in general. I mean, we kind of went over everybody. 
who who's the biggest surprise for you right now? The Chiefs, Chargers. I would actually probably say the Chicago Bears. Well, Chicago Bears are leading their division. They're six and three. The you, play by Trubisky, your boy Trubisky, man, he stepped up. He's balling, and and I want to say, you know me, a lot of people don't like Cowherd. I listen to Cowherd a good bit. I mean, I agree with some stuff. I don't agree with a lot. But I remember when they were drafting Trubisky, his argument was you can't take Trubisky because his name doesn't sound professional. <laughs> he, like, he was like, you have these great names, you know, Roethlisberger, Manning, like all this like really nice names. And he's like, Trubisky. <laughs> well, Trubisky's showing off, man. He They're having a good year. Um, and, you know, I – I don't root for them, but like we've talked about before the season, they got some dogs on their defense. So yeah. I'm a, I'm excited to see them doing well. It doesn't affect the Falcons at all. So I'm fine with it. Um, yeah. Cause, I mean, like I said, I, they got the best defense in the NFL. Yeah. That defense is nasty. And they, they're, I think they're going to be good before they added Cleo Mack. Yeah. They added Cleo so, Mack, man. I mean, that's a, like I said, that's a legit MVP candidate, kind of like a JJ Watt. Yeah. A few years ago. I mean, he's just dominating guys. So, I mean, I'm surprised the Texans are, are doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad to see Gurley not regressing at all. Gurley is still dominating this league. Yeah, he is. It's ridiculous. Um, it's not fair. I wish he was on our team. But, uh, I mean, NFL, man, it's it's been a fun season so far. Ups and downs. Falcons have caused me a lot of stress. But other than that, I mean, it's still still a fun season, and we're really getting here into the you know the playoff hunt. These last five weeks, we're going into like let, let's get it, man. Let's see how everything kind of shapes up, man. I will say, not surprise of the year, but I didn't think the Saints were going to be this good. I didn't think they're going to be this good. No, I mean, I knew they were going to be good, but God. As much as I don't like him, I mean Drew Brees he just is keeps, dude keeps delivering, man. Drew Brees is as solid as it gets. I don't know. I don't know what to say, man. He's Saints are doing their thing. I hate him, but like you got to respect him. He just does it. Yeah, he's a, he's a machine. Yeah, that's all it really all, is. Five eleven of him, man. and then he's, they signed Des Bryant. I mean, unfortunately, two days later he, he tore his tore Achilles. Achilles. Yeah. But I mean that that was gonna be nasty too. Yeah, I thought that I thought that really would have worked oh, out. I, I was pissed. I saw that. I was like, oh man, that's <laughs> that, that's all they need. That's yeah. all they need is another they, star I mean, receiver. The rich get richer. Exactly. So. so but hey, like I said, NFL season's in full force going into week eleven. I'm man, I'm excited. I'm excited for these playoffs. But hopefully you're I'm I'm gonna be honest. Falcons are in it. Like I said, people are I'm not, you know, people, oh, you hop off the bandwagon because they're not doing good. Like, no, I love the Falcons, man. I just, I'm realistic. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. This year's just been a tough year. I will say I am off, you know, I'm off fire Sarkeesian. Like, you're off of it. I was all about that, you know, going into week two or whatever, week three. I was like, get him out of there, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm off of that. I think. I think they're I think clicking. He, he's figured it. Out. I think, yeah, I think he's figured it out. I think Matt Ryan's figured it out. Um, you know, it'd help if we had our our starting running backs and everything. But hey, Tevin Coleman, I think he's he's stepped up to the plate this year. I mean, my opinion, I think he's better than than Freeman. He's better. I think they paid the wrong running back. You think so? Yeah, 
I don't know. So it, it would be nice for them to they're able to trade Freeman. They're not. Gonna, they're not going to be able to trade him with that that contract. Yeah. So they're. I mean, they're going to lose Tevin. They are. Free agency. Yeah. I got Coleman on my fantasy team. So I mean, he's he's been solid for me every week. So that being said, it's that time again. Let's go ahead and just get into it. It's time for the hangover of the week. Hangover of the week. All right, so since it's been a while, this is the hangover of the week. KK, you want to tell these people what the hangover of the week's all about? All right, well, hangover of the week, me and Evan, we kind of go through and we'll find a story that we're just tired of. So, and it kind of just reminds us, reminds us, reminds us <laughs> of, of a hangover. You know, when you wake up the night after drinking, you got a hangover. And you kind of just want to get rid of it. Well, this is a sports story that we both think that we're tired of hearing about it. We need some Pedialyte. We need some refreshment to just get it out of the system. Get it out of here. So mine this week, it is kind of one of those things I knew it was going to happen. But now that it is happening, it's kind of making me angry. When LeBron makes a layup, or when he throws a three-quarter court pass that he often does, or he gets a steal and a slam dunk on the other end. I don't need to see it all over my Twitter my Twitter feed. I don't. I understand it. And it's always been like that. It's, it's always been LeBron mania. Whatever he does, he does it better. But now that it's in L.A., it's just times a thousand. But I knew this was going to happen. But now that I'm seeing it, it just... It just kind of annoys me. I mean, yeah, he might get a steal and have a breakaway dunk. You know, he he throws it down harder than anyone in the league. But I don't need to see a million posts about it or SC top 10 and all this stuff. I mean, I get it. It's a great dunk. You're on a somewhat of a struggling team, but it's because of the Lakers. And Lakers also, they're getting every primetime game, which Lakers – got that anyway just because the name but now you had LeBron so it's I don't know it's kind of a I know a lot of you guys out there is like for me get over it it's gonna happen one person in particular who <laughs> listens to this podcast is so, gonna say get over it but I I mean I've been critical on LeBron in the past we we both have on this show but I don't know I think another reason for me too is cause Lakers, you guys are, I don't want to say underperforming. I guess you're performing right at pretty much what you, we thought you guys would, would be at this point. But I'm just not, I, me personally, I'm not in NBA mode yet. I'm not. Um, I see the the top scores of the night and whatever stories there are. But as far as following basketball and NBA Wednesday and then Thursday night on TNT, I, I'm not following it yet. That That's just me. I'm still in football mode. But I know it's kind of a short, short uh, hangover. Probably one that y'all just tell me to get over, but that's my hangover of the week. All right. And I agree. So not really towards any particular person, but towards the media in general. Yeah. It's uh, and you know, I think we all know what company is the worst about it. Yep. So and we'll just say that's probably why their ratings are going down. So. 
That's true. And, uh, you know, FS1 is stealing talent left I would say, and right. I would say, what are we watching now? Do we watch FS1? Is that the new... Man, I think FS1's gotten a lot of ESPN's well, old talent. I swear, I'll watch FS1. I was like, damn, they used to be on ESPN. Yeah, exactly. Every- well, I'll be watching... I remember I was watching, I think it was the Falcons game on Sunday. Yeah. And the sideline reporter, I was like, damn, she used to host... She used to host Sports Center. Now she's on the sideline for yeah, Fox. Man. And then even like the show, so they basically took first take. You know, they got speak for yourself. Or not speak for yourself. Yeah. Speak. Undisputed. Undisputed. Yeah, which and, is and, which is leaps, leaps and bounds better yeah, than first dude, take. Shannon Sharp. He's, he's awesome. He No, I don't think anybody was like, man, Shannon Sharp really needs to be a top sportscaster. He's like more entertaining and less annoying than Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, I like... Well, Stephen A's got the NBA hookup. You got to have somebody to go against Skip. Exactly. And I mean, I I like Stephen A and Skip. I I did. They were a good. But combo. Shannon is a lot more entertaining. Yeah, Shannon's more entertaining without you know just yelling at you. <laughs> so and if you don't follow Shannon, like you need to man because every time he's right on something, he's posting up. He's smoking a black and mild and drinking some Hennessy. Yeah, he'll let you know. So and he'll I, let Skip know on Monday. Yeah. So I love it. And then even maybe I was out the loop. I haven't watched. TV, like I haven't tuned in in a while. All of a sudden, the other day, I saw they basically got an around the horn show. Oh, do they really? Yeah, man. So, does I, ESPN not put copyright on this kind of stuff? <laughs> I mean, what? Well, I, I, yeah, I guess you can't copyright. Hey, you it. can't have four reporters talking getting, and getting points. points. <laughs> like, so hey, man, FS1. But yeah, it seems like every day you tune in, they got some piece of talent that used to be at ESPN. Yeah, because they have the the P, the kind of like a, a PTI show now. Yeah, with uh, Marcellus. Yeah, speak for yourself, and that's pretty much PTI. Yeah, so it was just um, what's his name, um, Jason Whitlock. Yeah, it was, you know, was it, Jason. Whitlock it was Jason and Whitlock Coward. and Coward, and yeah. then Coward kind of backed off, and they brought in Marcellus, and that yeah, that was the last one because I was like, oh, I guess he's not on Sports Nation anymore. Yeah, so. I mean, I think it's good to add competition to the marketplace and people go where they're more entertained. And, uh, I mean, I think FS1 staying out of a lot of the, I'm not saying you can't be, you know, political and activism. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but I think after people are just tired from work, they just want to come home and not think about anything and just be entertained. I think FS1 is doing that more. You Like, I think ESPN had it down when they kept that stuff on E60 because I liked E60. You knew yeah. what you were getting into. Like mm-hmm. you turn in, you're going to see a story about somebody who died. Or you're going to see a story about some, you know, political stuff, but it was entertaining. Now, you know, it's just across the board. I don't think people necessarily want that all the time. Well, I think for FS1 to take their next step, they would need the kind of a sports center kind of show, which right yeah. now they don't have that kind of that they, overshadowing yeah. sports show exactly. that covers everything. Just 24/7, put it yeah. on the background. But that being said, Sports Center is not what it used to be either. It's not. I think everybody knows that. I mean, I miss middle school, high school, wake up in the mornings, boom, baseball highlight, baseball highlight, baseball highlight, every single game, <laughs> NBA highlight, NBA highlight, NBA highlight, and then it'd be hockey, and I'd tune out. But I mean, you're saying you like that every I, game I miss, highlight, highlight. I miss that. Yeah, I do too. Okay. Yeah, now exactly. it's like show a highlight of the game that was like a marquee matchup. We're not going to talk about anybody else. And then else. you're looking for the Atlanta Braves highlights. Yeah. And they had a great game, and they'll be like, they'll just show the score. Yeah, they'll, so. show the, they'll show the score, and they'll go into some random story that belongs on E60. You know, they have all these, like, really in-depth sap stories now. Whatever. I'm not going to get into it. But FS1, I think, has definitely uh, made a footprint in the marketplace. They've only been around for, like, three or four years now. Maybe yeah, I wanna maybe s- longer. I want to say it's, like, three years. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that being said, let's move on to my hangover of the week. So this episode, we're not really going to get into the NBA, but my hangover of the week is something about the NBA, just like yours was this early into the season. It was about AJ's favorite player. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not. the same person. I just want to say, if y'all, if y'all don't believe me, I mean, go back, listen to the tape of what I was saying during the playoffs with the thunder. What was I saying? Who was I ragging on the hardest? You tell me. Go back. It, it, <laughs> go back. Listen to our episodes during the NBA playoffs when I was talking about the Thunder. It might have been Paul George. Heck no. We we said Paul that, George came he, up short. He had that one game. He did <laughs> terrible. But who was I ragging on? On the Thunder, your boy Melo. Yeah. And what have I been saying? Melo is a drain on any team he's on. Okay. Even when he was on the Knicks, yeah, he was scoring a bunch for a while there, but he was also terrible for the team chemistry, didn't get back on defense, and he's basically, hey, let me stand out on the wing and shoot the three. The same thing, y'all played the tape back from May and June when I was talking. Same thing he was doing with the Thunder in the playoffs. Hey, I'm not going to play anything. Let me just stand out here and shoot. But you used to be a scoring champ, but you can't do anything else. You want to be an all-star Hall of Famer, which he's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. He was, he was a ridiculous scorer back in the day. But he is not adjusted with the times. And he doesn't put in the effort, man. That's what that's what pisses me off. You're in the NBA. You're an all-star. Put in a little effort. Make it look like you're at least trying on both ends. So here he is, offseason. It was a big deal. Houston did all this work, and they brought in Melo. Oh, snap. All of a sudden, you got the big three. You got Melo. You got James Harden. You got Chris Paul. Man, this team's going to, you know, put up some numbers in the West. Well, here we are a few games into the season, and all reports are that Melo has played his last game with the Rockets. Primarily because, you know, he's not really happy with the role he has. Well, that's part of why he left the Thunder, because they said, you're probably going to be coming off the bench. And he said, well, then I'm out of here. And he's not getting the touches he wants on Houston. And that's because he's not that great of a player anymore. And he doesn't realize that. He seems to be the only one that can't realize that. I can't imagine trying to be his agent. And he's looking at his agent like, man, you better get me starting somewhere being the number one option. I'd be like, all right, we're going to send you to the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I don't even know where the middle of nowhere is now. I mean, even like Phoenix? The, the Bucks and everybody are good. Everybody's got talent now. It's, it's a good time to be in the league. Melo just hadn't gotten the memo. So, man, that's that's my hangover of the week is just here we are, you know, 12, 13 games into the season. And they're already saying Melo's probably played his last game with the Rockets. He's missed the last couple games. And, I mean, all reports are that he's probably out of there. Yeah. I mean, well, the official reports are he's sick. Yeah. So. I don't believe that because then you have – you have a lot of anonymous people inside the organization saying, no, he's probably never going to play another well, game with it's us. It's kind of like one of those things, you know, when you're at, at, in elementary school and whatever, and, oh, I'm not going to school today, my stomach my stomach hurts. Yeah. Oh, but it's you, also, one of you also got a math test today. Yeah. So, it's just, he's probably telling them, hey, I don't feel good. I'm sick. And Houston's like, shit. He don't want to be here. Yeah. And we're not worried about it. So, I mean, yeah, you still got James Harden and Chris Paul. Man, I think you could be filling that roster spot with somebody a lot more solid that'll fit into the program, that'll get with the program and not be there, you know, trying to get some shine on Melo. 
Like that, that's there's a reason this man's never won in his NBA career because he can't get with the program. He's worried about how can I put up some points, and I mean he's never won in his career. He was a beast in Denver. Nobody's gonna argue that he was a beast. You know his first half of stint being with um, the Knicks, but he was also the reason. You know I'm not saying Jeremy Lin is great, but when Lin Sanity was going on, that's because Melo was out. When yeah. Melo came back in, he like he was injured. When he came back, all of a sudden he was like, nah, y'all give me the ball. I'm not saying that's the wrong call. I'm just saying all of a sudden he messed up that team chemistry again. So, man, I'm just sick of Melo. Like, retire, <laughs> keep what little legacy you have left. You know, there's still going to be people, man, how can you hate on Melo? That man, he can score on anybody. Yeah, when he wants to and when he's in shape and maybe 10 years ago, man, but – like I said, he's getting paid to be in the NBA, and he's he's the biggest diva in the league. People complain about LeBron being a diva. I'm not going to argue that, but LeBron will at least get with the program and try to make his team good. Melo's never cared about making his team good. His version of making his team good is if I can get 30, we'll pull out the W. That's That doesn't help anybody. So, man, you got me all riled up now. <laughs> but that being said, Melo... Get off Houston, go to some scrub team, be the number one guy to a bunch of young guys who had a poster of you when they were growing up and feel good about yourself. But those everybody else in the NBA knows like you're not winning anything ever. So that's my hangover of the week. Okay, so moving on. Let's go ahead and uh, just like we said, we're right here in the middle of the NFL season. I was getting excited. Let's go into other football that's going on. College football, NCAA. Um, man, this has been a fun season too. So again, we've been we've been gone for a while. We haven't really gotten to touch on a lot of it. But uh, how do you want to start this off? You want to go straight Georgia and then go out from there? Uh, we can kind of go. Uh, tonight is Thursday the what's today's day? Thirteenth. Thirteenth or Tuesday the thirteenth, and. Um, the latest rankings of the college football playoff just came out tonight. So I'll, I'll, I'll go through the top six. Uh, number one, Alabama. Two, Clemson. Three, Notre Dame. Four, Michigan. Five, Georgia. And then six, Oklahoma. And I kind of go through the top six because I think these are the only teams that still have a shot getting into the playoff. I think after that, I mean, seven LSU, eight Washington State, nine West Virginia, and ten Ohio State. I agree. I mean, especially you just go straight to number seven LSU. There's no way they get to the SEC championship game. Yep, and they already have two losses. Washington State. I mean, they're nine and one. Ohio State's nine and one. UCF is nine and zero down there. I mean, I think those are some of the teams you have to look at that something catastrophic happens for one of these teams in the top five. Yeah. You have to look at those nine and one teams jumping up. Yeah. And I think those teams need like help. Yeah. But I actually think Oklahoma at six needs help as well. But the top five teams, if they went out, they're in. Uh, if Georgia beats Alabama, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later. If Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship, we're in. And then that'll leave – people to, to make that debate. We'll talk about that because that'll be a huge debate on who gets in and whatnot. Man, Clemson at number two. We yeah. knew they were going to be good. And then they're, you know, 
their senior quarterback left. Was it Kelly Bryant? Mm-hmm. And uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, the t- prodigal son everybody's been talking about these last couple of years coming up and hasn't really missed a beat. I think that first game where he was starting, I remember you texted me. You're like, oh, Trevor Lawrence just went down. Like, yeah. Hard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, there goes Clemson. Yep. And uh, But look at him now, man. I mean, yeah, they got, they got a very strong defense. And like you said, the offense hasn't missed a beat since Trevor Lawrence has gone in there. If anything, they're better. That's why Dabo put him in. But we can talk about Alabama. I mean, this whole year we were saying, I was saying, everybody was saying, I think this is the best Nick Saban team he's ever had. This is the best offense he's ever had. I yeah, mean, by far. They're best putting offense. up. They're he putting has up, a quarterback now. Putting up 40 to 50 regularly. Games aren't even close. It's sickening to watch because Tua didn't play a fourth quarter, didn't play in the fourth quarter until two weeks ago against LSU. See, that's crazy. Yeah, that's eight games into the year. So that just shows you their dominance, and they they get on you so quick, and it's just over. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. This ten and O is not ten hard fought games. It's there's ten blowouts. blowouts. In the whole year, people were saying their defense hadn't been tested. Their defense is kind of shaky. That's their weak point. Well, look at the last two games. They gave up zero points. Yeah. So, they beat LSU 29-0. And I think that was... be State 24-0. I think the LSU game was probably the biggest test everybody was looking at. To see. And, and they won by 29. Exactly. So, kind of kind of get a gauge of okay Alabama's been blowing teams out like you said their defense hasn't been tested let's see how they are against LSU you know the team that that beat Georgia let let's see how a real game goes and okay they didn't score 50 points but they shut them out so well look at it so this defense it's been dominant last two weeks so somewhat you can say the defense is waking up they've given up 56 rushing yards in the last two games on 55 carries that's crazy <laughs> so opposing honest, teams are if, averaging one yeah, yard a carry if you're a fan this is when you want them to peak and i i tell this to a lot of people nick saban is the best at having that team like peak at the right time and this is the time you need with the sec championship around the corner and then of course you got the playoffs after that you need them to peak at the right time man so i'll go ahead and say it because i've always argued against it I think this is a year, and it, I mean, it happened. So last year, again, we've had this discussion on this show before, so I don't want to get too deep into it. But last year, Bama didn't even make the SEC championship. They still got into the playoffs. I thought it was ridiculous. But hell, they won the championship. I think this is a year where even if Bama loses the SEC championship, they're still automatically in. See, that. Yeah, let, let's go ahead and jump into that. Jump into that debate. <laughs> it's so in two, three, three weeks, two weeks, December first, you'll have Alabama at one, Georgia at five playing each other. Okay, let's say Georgia wins that game. Let's say Georgia wins. They'll put Clemson at one. Granted, everybody else wins out. Notre Dame at two, Georgia at three. Okay. So, at the four, for the number four last playoff position, you'd have Michigan, Big Ten champs if they went out, sitting at, what, 12-1. and one. 
and you have Alabama sitting at uh, it'd be twelve and one. Twelve and one. SEC runner up, and you have Michigan Big Ten champs. But I think. But you're telling me <clears throat> these teams are going to look at, or these the committee, the playoff committee is going to look at how dominant this team has been. They haven't, again, they haven't just won 10 games like we just said. They have, I mean, heck, you can turn these games off at halftime. They're not fun to watch. Yeah. And if you're a Bama fan, you love it. If you're just a college football fan, you're like, well, it was a waste of my time. I think the, I mean, the playoff committee is there. They're going to notice how you won these games. Yeah, so in my opinion, as a Georgia fan, we win, we're in. They're not going to leave us out. And if they do, I'm shooting everybody up. No, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, if Georgia wins the SEC championship, you have to put them in. There's yeah, no we're in. We're SEC championship. We only have one loss, and that one loss is to the number seven ranked team in the land. Yeah. So, if you're a Michigan or Notre Dame, our Clemson safe, if you're Michigan or Notre Dame, you want one of those teams to lose. So if you're Michigan, you want Notre Dame to lose. You want them to stumble some somewhere between because if Notre Dame's undefeated, they're going to put them in. We all know they love Notre Dame for yep. some reason. And if you're Notre Dame, ratings. If Notre Dame just went out, you don't necessarily need Michigan to lose. But if they do, it makes it easier on you because you're for sure going to be in there. Yeah. Because yeah, even like I said, if everybody wins out, Georgia beats Bama, they're going to put Bama in at four. And you'll have Michigan at number five, twelve and one. Their only loss would be to number two Notre Dame at the first game of the year. Number That'd three be, Notre Dame. Well, they'll be number two if Georgia beats. What are you doing with Clemson? Clemson will be number one if Georgia beats Bama. That's oh what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Notre Dame will move up to number two, but their only loss would be the number two Notre Dame. They're the Big Ten champs. But you're telling me the playoff committee is going to leave out Bama after this. We're talking about the greatest college team that yeah. we've ever seen earlier this year. And that's why I think I think because of the way they did it last year, Bama getting in without even making the championship game sets the precedent. It's going to be one of those, okay, you put them in last year, they didn't even make the championship game. You see how dominant this team's been and they lost one game in the championship? No, they're, they're in the playoffs. Which that's one of those decisions. Like, I'm glad I'm not on that committee to no. make that decision. Because to be honest, as a Georgia fan, if I beat Bama on December 1st, I don't want them in the playoff. No. Because we can't beat them twice. Same thing last year. <laughs> I was like, oh, we won the SEC championship. Keep Bama out of there. Yeah. I don't want to see Bama. If Bama doesn't make the playoffs, I really like our chances. Granted, Clemson's a damn good team too. But I just don't want to play Bama. Because you would have to beat them twice in a matter of a month. Yeah. That'd be – who. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's scary. So if we somehow so you, get by him on December first, so you're not even considering Notre Dame as being a a legit contender. No, I mean I. To be honest, if the, I think they're going to get to the playoffs, and it's going to be like how it was when Manti Teo played Alabama. Yeah, and they lost forty two to zero in national championship. And everybody looked at the SEC championship game and said, that's "Oh, the, that that was the real championship." Yeah, and we were two yards away from being there. Story story of a Georgia fan. Yep. But so yeah, there's there's still ton. There's only two game, two regular season games left, and championship weekend, of course. But there's a lot of shakeup that could happen, a lot of things that can go down. Um, I actually put Notre Dame on upset alert this week. They're playing 
granted, it's a basketball school, Syracuse. But Syracuse is a pretty decent team. They yeah. should they should have beat Clemson earlier this year. That was a game Trevor Lawrence got hurt and put out of. They should have won that game. Syracuse is at eight and two. They're twelfth in the country in the latest playoff rankings. So Notre Dame has them this week. Clemson, they got an easy road. They'll they'll easily win now, the ACC. Let me just play devil's advocate for a second. I don't want to jinx it, but let's just say Georgia loses for whatever reason two games in a row. Let's say we finish out at nine and three. If we finish at nine and three and beat Bama, is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying like do you think there's any way possible that Florida somehow jumps us to be into the SEC championship game? No, it's it's already locked up. Georgia's already Georgia's already clinched. All right, well then never mind. Yeah. So that we don't have to worry about that at all. Because we, we, we because could lose, we won our division. Yeah. We could lose the next two games and we'll still go into the SEC championship. But we just won't go nowhere else, even if we win. See, you know who I think's getting a raw deal? UCF, though, sitting there at nine, nine and zero. But they don't play anybody. Yeah, exactly. They they don't play anybody, and they haven't looked. I, I think this is like a you know Boise State back in the day. They haven't looked as impressive as they did last. You know, last year they were blowing teams out. Yeah. Well, this year it the games have been closer, and you're still playing the same scrubby teams. So that's why they haven't made no ground. They've been eleventh since the playoff rankings came out. See, so you keep locking this in, but like like I said, I mean, you're looking at these, you know, these top six teams. Like, how what do you see for Oklahoma to get in there? For one, they have to win out. They'll win the Big Twelve. They'll be big, big Twelve champs. I think you need Michigan to lose. I think you need you need a lot of help actually, because I think they need to pass two teams. Because even if Michigan does lose, that doesn't mean Oklahoma's in. Yeah. Because, and if Georgia beats Bama, Bama's going to take that last spot. Yeah. But it's okay. Yeah, if you're Oklahoma, you win out. You're twelve and one. You win the Big Twelve. Michigan loses. I think Michigan's going to lose in two weeks. Actually, to Ohio State, I I do think they're going to lose. And I, I mean, Ohio State's sitting back there at nine and one. Yeah, but. It's an un, it's an unimpressive nine and one. Yeah, who who's Clemson seen in the ACC championship? I don't think it's been determined yet. In other words, I think it's going to be like Virginia or somewhere, somebody. So so nobody to be worried about. Yeah, exactly. They they have the easiest ride to be honest. But I think for Oklahoma, if Michigan loses and Bama beats Georgia, they'll be number four. So if you're an Oklahoma fan, it looks pretty good. So, because I would say this, being a Georgia fan, I actually like being in this spot. Not a damn person in the country thinks you're going to beat Bama. I like being the underdog. Oh, I like I like having nothing to lose going into the game. I would love if, and again, this, it's not going to happen because we know Nick Saban's not going to let it happen. But I would love for Bama to come into the SEC championship complacent, because hell, they know they're getting in either way. Yeah. I would love for, you know, these are kids, 19, 20-year-old kids. It, I mean, they're not professionals. That It's easy to kind of look past. Hell, it's easy for professionals to look past. Falcons just lost to the Browns because they're playing the freaking Browns. <laughs> but I would love for these 19, 20-year-old kids to, by the time it gets to championship week, they're already celebrating because they're in the playoffs. You know, Nick Saban's not going to let that happen. You're not going to see it. 
in front of the camera, oh, they're happy. But, you know, it just takes a little mental slip, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I would love for, like you said, being the underdog. At the same time, I don't like the position because, like you said, in order to take the whole thing, it means we'd, we'd have to beat Bama twice. That's why I liked last year because we weren't even playing Bama in the SEC championship game. Yeah. We were playing Auburn. So, now, let's just say, let's, when we're looking way ahead, this is all hypothetical, let's just run the playoffs like it is one through four right now. Let's say Bama goes in, they win, and you got Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. Did you just see a Bama, Clemson championship? Yep. You don't think Notre Dame's got a chance? No. I don't think Michigan has a chance either. Well, I mean, I know Michigan doesn't have a chance. <laughs> They're not used to SEC boys. Yeah, you, I don't think, think Notre be, Dame could. It'd be Alabama-Clemson again. Yeah. It'd be, what would be their third meeting? Yeah. They're both one-on-one. So. But, hey, we like I, I say this a lot of time, we get to play the games. You get to find out yeah, what team now, shows up on what day. So, I mean, let's let's jump back to Georgia a little bit. Again, we've been kind of gone all season. I mean, what are we seeing from Georgia? What are your thoughts? I mean, I know there was a point there, especially after LSU, <laughs> people are talking about, oh, maybe Fields needs to see the field. But I don't think that's the right move. I mean, obviously it hasn't been. We It hasn't happened. But things go wrong. You see Kirby Smart pulling a Saban from last year championship. You know, halftime, things aren't looking good. Let's switch it up. Well, you know, what we were, we were talking about earlier, like Saban has the tendency to, like, have his team just peak at the right time, which I kind of think Georgia right now is kind of peaking at the right time, starting to establish that run game, kind of wear him down, defense I playing think, better. I will say, I'm not happy we lost. Like, we, sh- I still don't think we should have lost to LSU. But – if anything, I think it woke us up. Yeah, I think it's it like, look, too. boys, you you gotta, we gotta step it up. And I think, like you said, the running game's really picked up because when I mean, we got a three headed monster back there running on teams. So, you know, going with that LSU game, well, really the whole season before the LSU game, I was, I kind of thought when times got tough, Kirby would put in Justin Fields. And against LSU, Fromm did not have it that day. He didn't. Exactly. Was, and that's what that's when all the chatter started happening. Yeah, missing the easy pass. It just wasn't his day, which granted that happens. That's where it happens to Georgia players more than anything. But so that's when I would I kinda I lo- I don't want to say lost faith in Kirby, but he kind of disappointed me that day with not going to Justin Fields. Cause for one, why not? Like why the hell not? Yeah. But I think with this SEC championship game. Like I said, you're the underdog. You got nothing to lose. Alabama's got everything to lose. Well, granted, they'll probably still make the playoffs, but because they've been this so dominant team that everybody loves and all the rat poison that's being fed to them. I think Georgia, I don't know. I don't want to say it because I feel like I'm going to be proven wrong. But I think Georgia, I think Kirby's been preparing Justin Fields for this Alabama moment. Now, I'm not saying he's going to start that day. But I'm saying I think he's going to pull out all the stops. No, that's what I'm saying. Bama. Do you think it's a Tua situation where? Uh, yeah, I do. Halftime, Jalen Hurts wasn't looking good. Okay, let's throw in Tua. Yeah, I think it will be. I think it'll be 
hey man, go spin I, that ball, go run around. Now, yeah, exactly. I'm glad you said run around because I don't think it's the same situation. Two, Tua was put in because Jalen Hurts could not get the ball over our defense. Yeah, he did not have the arm. They put Tua in. All of a sudden, they're winning over the top. I think it's an analogy. It's not the same situation, but I think if for whatever reason, you know, they want to make the switch. They're putting in Justin Fields. It's not, oh, the arm strength. Fromm can throw over the top. It's, let's put somebody in there where all of a sudden the defense has to honor the scramble, the run, and the throw. All of a sudden the defense can't just fall straight back on the receivers and be turned around and not even pay attention to what the quarterback's doing. Because you put Fields in there, you know, defense starts running downfield with the receivers. All of a sudden it's 2004 Madden Michael Vick. He can (laughs) just start taking off. So... That being said, I still don't see Kirby doing it. I just, that letting Fields get it? Yeah, I just... Well, for me, it's like... It's not even... And I'm not you're saying... You're not even like handing the hand the, handing the, the, the offense, the, the starting job to Justin Fields. But if, if it becomes an LSU situation where like we're down 17-6 to 6 at halftime, we haven't really been able to do anything on offense, let the boys spin. But just do, do throw you them think- in there because... If we lose forty to six in the SEC championship game, it's okay. We just yeah. lost to the. We've already said this is the best yeah. Alabama team we've ever seen. So now, if we lose forty to six, we'll be like, all right, we're not there yet. We're get better. We just lost to the best Alabama here, team. Here's the difference, though. So Nick Saban knew, okay, Tua can go in there, compose, and he's just got to stay in the pocket and rip it. From what you've seen from Justin Fields. I don't know. Maybe you've seen it a little better than me. When he's out there, and I think it's because he doesn't have the starting job. He knows he only gets limited touches. He looks a little hesitant on some of these, you know, some of these options. Like, all right, am I taking off? Am I throwing it? And it looks like he's not committing one way or another. And then things are kind of breaking down. I think is he going to be ready if Kirby Smart wants to throw him in at halftime? Say, look, you got to have the composure of you're the starting quarterback for this half well for one you're gonna to have to be ready because <laughs> i mean you came to the university of georgia i don't know i mean your second string quarterback getting a lot of play well, what have you seen from but, him this year do you think he's had that composure in the in the touches he has had but yeah this is this is what i will say i think when you're a mobile quarterback in high school when you've oh my first reason not there i can take off and run for 40 yards i think that's the biggest thing for a quarterback to break out of biggest habit because, yeah, watching Justin Fields now, when he drops back to throw, he might have the one read, he might have the two, he's running. Yeah. Or he's he's looking to take off. And instead of going to a third or fourth read, you're just trying to take off. Yeah, your legs will help you a lot. I mean, yeah, you might be able to scramble for a first down or whatever. But a lot of times you might have a third or fourth read wide open, like a little check down to a running back. Like That's why you're putting him out there, though. you got to have the defense start to respect his scramble ability. Exactly. To so, open some stuff up downfield. Our next two games, we play UMass this weekend, and we play Tech next weekend. I think I say ne- you, yeah, let him get some more touches than he has been. I think these next two games, especially this week, I think Fromm might play two series, maybe a quarter, and I think Justin Fields are on the whole thing. No, nah, he's not playing a quarter. He's not playing that much. I, don't, I mean, or like you, you say, more. Like you said, okay, we have locked down the SEC championship. No, I'm saying let Fromm. No, no, I'm saying. We've won the SEC, yeah. like or we're we've locked in the SEC championship. We're going no matter what. But you're not gonna let him play a quarter. 
Like you're not gonna let Fromm be in for a quarter and pull him back because you want to still make sure we win out. It, no, I'm saying if okay, I'll, I'll rephrase it. If it's 21 zero at the end of the first quarter, he's not coming back in. He is against UMass. I think at least who, who's first four half. And, who's four and seven? I think he's at least playing first half. Okay, but anyway, Kirby's not taking any chances on losing some losing a game just to get somebody. Experience. But if it's 21 zero. Against UMass <laughs> I mean, in true. the first quarter. I don't. Okay, maybe more. I mean, if, if maybe, it got if it got twenty one to fourteen, yeah, you put Fromm back yeah, in. But maybe more against UMass. I don't see him. You know, Tech. Yeah, we're it, gonna. It's gonna be more of a game against Tech. Yeah, but I think these next two games, Justin man, Fields is tech gonna play is, the most. Tech is tricky because like they yeah, could yeah, they could look like crap, or I, Tech could upset for no reason just because they're yeah, playing us. I, I hate them. But look at last this past week against Auburn. Justin Fields played a lot against Auburn. And it wasn't necessarily a game that was put away. No, so, that's true. That's true. But because it's not just about getting snaps, it's about getting meaningful snaps. Fromm's arm did look good. This last it did. Week. He he played he's played really well since LSU. Um, LSU, yeah. But but even against Kentucky two weeks ago, Justin Fields played a lot of key snaps, a lot of third down runs that they. I mean, they were called runs for him, and he was able to convert. But. I'm saying, yeah. I just think, do you think, okay, again, you're saying you want Kirby to be able to make that call <laughs> because you, we have nothing to lose in that SEC championship game. And I'm not saying, hey, like, Fromm's out. I'm like, heck, let's go in there with our team. Let's, heck, we could pull off the upset. I'm saying at halftime, we do have nothing to lose. Do you think Kirby is going to make that call? Or <laughs> is he capable of making that call? I don't, uh, Straining that relationship with Fromm, because I think I think Saban is much more of a Bill Belichick type. He doesn't give a damn about the relationship with the players <laughs> or the team. Like I think, Jalen Hurts, remember he was supposed to be the biggest free agent of the year, and he was yeah. going to leave. And look, where's he at now? He's still chilling at Alabama. You I know, think if uh, if yeah, if it really came down, we're like we're down seventeen to six or something, twenty to six, haven't been able to move the ball. Based off what happened at LSU. I don't think Kirby will say, "Hey, Fields, go, go in." Me neither. I think it's a I mean, lose I wish situation because one, he does do it right. We don't have anything to lose, and then you've got all this drama going into next year. Like, uh, I think that relationship. But, I mean, is if, strained. If it didn't work, if it didn't work, right? If, if, if it didn't work, I don't think a relationship is strained. You don't think I mean, Fromm's gonna hold some resentment? No, because I, I mean, I know. Well, I don't know him, you're, but you're, I know uh, how his attitude You're number is. one quarterback, You're, but you're still a competitor. You came in. You helped this team win. You're going to pull me at halftime for real? I'm the sophomore. I'm experienced. But I, I think, think it strengthens that relationship. But then, like I said, we lose. We lose. He keeps from in, He's gonna, and we lose. You're going to get so much crap for not putting fields in. I think it's a lose-lose situation for Kirby no matter what he does. Yeah. Okay, so let's say he pulls from out. We still lose. Fromm's like, man, fuck, oh, forget this. And, uh, like, I'm mad. I want to transfer. I still don't think he'll transfer. I don't think he's that We'll tight. let him transfer. I, I rather sit. I rather, I mean, I love Fromm. Love him to death, except against LSU. <laughs> I love Fromm. I think he can get the job done. But if he if he wanted to, let's say, if Fields or Fromm were going to transfer, I'd rather see Fromm transfer. I just think there's, there's more upside for Fields. Granted, he ain't proved nothing yet. And I'm kind of on the, oh, number one recruit in America kind of hype train. But I think there's just more upside because I, 
every everything you do as as a program in college football, it's because of Alabama. How do you beat Alabama? Why did Dabo Sweeney go to Trevor Lawrence over Kelly Bryant, your senior? Because he saw what Tua was doing at yeah. Clemson. We need a more electrifying offense. You look at all the teams that have ever given problems for Nick Saban at Alabama. Mobile quarterbacks. True. All I mean, that's the one thing. I think, hell, Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel. He gave Alabama. Like It's weird looking back on it now. It's like. He was able to beat Bama like single handedly, really. Yeah. Like just pure will of Johnny running Manziel, around and throwing the ball. Nick Saban's quarterbacks. I mean Nick Saban. Gus Malzahn's quarterbacks. You had Cam Newton. You had Nick Marshall. You had Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly who beat him twice when he was at All Ole right. Miss. See, you're starting to convince freeze. me now because yeah. that's a good point. It's historically it's you need the mobile quarterback to beat him. Deshaun Watson. Granted, he was a pocket passer, but he could still take off. Yeah. And look at him now doing work in the NFL. These are the only teams that's ever given problems. Thank God to he's Nick doing Saban. work. I'm I'm happy for him after yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm happy to see him. But yeah, no, he that that's true. So and again, we're talking. I don't want to say, hey, we're going to be down at the half. I just wanted to ask you, like, do you think we're capable of making that drastic decision that when Saban did it last year, he was like, hey, it's win now or never. Yeah, and that's also the national championship. So would it, would like, it also be? We're probably getting too into this. We'd also be okay. Fields goes in for the half. Hell, we pull off an upset. Is Fromm going to be back starter? See that round one of the playoffs. But, I mean, I would love to find out. But no, I, I would think Fromm would still be the starter. Yeah, same. I think because I, be. I think it would be seen as Fields brought, came in and brought us that spark. And then hell, first round of the playoffs, we need a spark. You bring him back in. So. It's still it's only two weeks of games to be played. There's not really any good games this week. It's kind of it's cupcake weekend. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean I'm I'm excited. Uh, we got I a mean, lot going on. We're where we want to be. Georgia's in the SEC championship. That's all we can do. Yeah, I mean the the only situation where you wanted to be would be you would have beat LSU and you'd be number two in the country. Yeah, let's but say. even then, I I still think. If Georgia lost to Alabama in the SEC championship, I don't think we would make it in. Yeah, because you we, have you Notre and Dame me, undefeated. Yeah, you could sit there. Undefeated. Georgia fans could sit there all day and make the argument. I don't think the playoff committee would would do it. Yeah. So, so all right. Well, uh, like I said, two more weeks of the regular season and then championship week. So we'll uh, we'll check back in next week. You know, see where the standards are. Uh, See if some of these, you know, teams right on the cusp, if anybody moves up or anybody falls back. Man, Notre Dame, though. 10-0. No no championship. No nothing. They're going to get in these playoffs easy. <laughs> right? No, they're going to lose this weekend. Oh, yeah. One last question I was going to ask before you uh, move on to last call. Um, Yeah, so right now the the spread against Alabama Georgia has Alabama at 14 and a half. For an SEC championship game, do they cover? There's 14 and a half points. Hmm. Man, that's tough because I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. This year is not, and maybe it's just me. I think this year we are we are reliant, more reliant on our offense. Like we have to just score. Yeah. I don't think we're you know heavy on defense. Not to say we're bad on defense, but man. 
the way this Bama team's been beating teams. And again, I don't know. We're going to get hyped up. I will say if there's any team that can stop Bama from covering the spread, it's the team that's the defensive, old defensive coordinator for Bama is our head coach. So I think Kirby, you know, he's, I think he's smarter than a lot of these other teams that are playing. I think he just has that kind of insider knowledge. I don't know about 14 and a half. 14, I'd probably say yes. <laughs> that just that half a point. I think, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be, you know, 45 to, you know, 21. I don't think it's going to be like that. I can still see it. They got a crazy, I mean, they got a crazy offense. Two is killing it. I think we got a good offense. I think our running game is going to step up. I mean, not step up. I think our running game is going to cause a lot more problems than people are thinking. I think our running game's, you know, second to none in the country, to be honest with you. Because we just have so many guys. We open up so many holes. Put Swift back there. Put Holyfield back there. Even, uh, is it Heron? Herion, yeah. Yeah, Herion. I mean, I think we got guys that can, you know, let's just tip away. Let's, I think Georgia control the tempo of the game with the run. Let's not go out there and try to out-tua them. Let's yeah. not just try to, you know, hit these 40, 50-yard bombs. Let's run, control the pace of the game. That'll open up the pass. I think our running game is solid, um, and I think it'll, you know, chew up more clock than what Bama's used to. I could, but it's still two very dominant offenses. I still see it being an offensive game. Um, I don't want to give away my scores yet. Yeah, what, we'll get I, what I think that. it'll be, Later. I'll do that like the week before or week of. But um, I don't think I don't think they covered. I don't think they covered fourteen and a okay. half. What about you? No, I don't think so. I think it's going to be closer than the experts. Yeah, so I think it's going to be closer. But I'm going to say this: I do think it's going to be high scoring on both ends, not forties and fifties. But I think it's going to be high scoring on both ends. So. That being said, college football, it's a great time of the year. I mean, it's starting to get cold outside, you know. really feels like college football is coming in, you know, full force. So let's go ahead and move on. It's time for last call. All right, so we're going to go ahead and move into the last call. KK, explain to these people what last call is last call is just a, a story that it could be sports related entertainment related it could be politically related but we don't really talk about that on here but it's just a story we'd like to wrap up the show with kind of bring to the light uh, maybe a story that's kind of been overlooked and whatnot. so what we got for him today alright so this one nothing to do with sports but everything to do with pop culture uh, again, we're recording this here on Tuesday, November 13th. Uh, yesterday was Monday the 12th. And uh, we got to say we lost a good one. RIP to Mr. Stan Lee. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I mean, he's the creator of the Marvel Universe. Um, basically, every Marvel superhero you can think of, he came up with. Um, he was 95. Man, he lived a crazy life. I mean you know created all these comic books that are like huge parts of pop culture uh influence everybody and then i mean it's really cool here in the last like 20 years 
started getting to see movies made of his creations. Um, I mean, I remember before even like the, this Disney Marvel, like he was making cameos in the X-Men movies back in the early two thousands. And so, I mean, that's where most people will know him is, I mean, he's just, he had a cameo in every movie, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah. You know, to see a story you came up with a character you created to sell millions and millions of comic books but then to finally see it on the big screen and get to go have a cameo in your own movie. So he was in the old Spider-Mans with Tobey Maguire, um, X-Men, and then he's been in, you know, all the Avengers stuff and all these huge Marvel movies now that, you know, Disney kind of rebooted the Marvel universe. I mean, so it, it's just really cool. He was 95, but he was still active, still, you know, really got to see his creations come to life and really influence the world. I mean, these are the biggest movies that come out every summer so uh i think it's cool i mean what do you what do you think i mean yeah he's he's such a big big part of the entertainment world i mean yeah because those are your best-selling movies every year you you always expect two to three marvel movies to come out and i know they have the uh infinity wars going on right now which break tons of records and it's going to continue to break records and it's just sad to see him go because that's one of the things you you always waiting for that little cameo. Like, hey, yeah. it might be two seconds, but he's going to be in the Marvel movie. So you're kind of waiting to see who he's going to be and when when he's going to pop up. Exactly. So. And even in this, I mean, for those of you who don't you know don't play video games, the Spider Man game that just came out on PlayStation and Sony, it was it's one of the biggest games of the year. He had a cameo in that, which is pretty cool. But uh, so I mean, I was reading some stuff about him. And I mean, he was, he was already an editor and, you know, doing some comics, but he was about 40 years old when he came up with Fantastic Four, which was his first big one. And then Spider-Man. And so, I mean, he was already well established into his career by about 20 years when all of his big stuff really popped. And I think that's, that's cool in of itself is, I mean, kind of shows everybody, you know, it's never too late to really create something that, you know, leaves a mark on the world or really there's never it's never too late to be successful in what you want to do not that he wasn't successful before that but I mean yeah he's about 40 when all this stuff came to light and that was like back in the 60s I mean he's been he's been kind of a mainstay within our culture for the last 50 years so yeah 95 years old um I don't think you could ask for you know a better life he I mean he did it all and uh from what I hear is apparently they went ahead and filmed a bunch of cameos with him that they're going to keep putting into movies for like years and years. So it it might be like, you know, five years later, we're still going to see some Stanley cameos. So, I mean, that, that's pretty cool. So RIP Stanley. And that is our last call. So that's the show. Uh, for this week again we know we've been gone for a while but we're back now uh, again NFL season's in full force college football's in full force NBA is only going to get better from here on out um, as we ramp up to Christmas and then really after Christmas here in about a month uh, you know we'll be really heavy on the NBA stuff but we're trying to really focus on the football now and of course we're going to keep covering Atlanta United uh, that being said KK, any last words for the people? I would like to say go ahead, subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Ballers on Tap, 
follow us on Twitter. I know we always on there, um, giving our giving our opinions on the latest sports sports news that comes out. Go ahead, at Ballers on Tap. And for the Android folks, we are also on Stitcher. So search for us, and you can always just visit our website, BallersOnTap.com. All right, and that's the show. KK, speak now, forever hold your peace. He's holding his peace. He's peacing. All right, this has been Powers on Tap.